I'm so excited about this series that we began last week and are continuing this week called Leader You. Everybody say Leader You. Man, what we're doing in this series is we are going back to school. We are going to get some higher education, continuing education. We're going to college, y'all. Everybody say college, y'all. We're going to college, we're going to university, and we're going to be learning some things about leadership. And I thought, you know, if we're going back to school, what we got to do is we got to get some school supplies. So I brought my backpack here with me this morning, filled up with some school supplies. How many of you just bought some school supplies for your kids just recently? Yeah, just a couple of weeks ago, some of you probably had to take out a loan to get all the stuff that they wanted you to buy. And I started thinking, you know, when you're in elementary school, you have these school supplies And you get stuff like this, you've got like construction paper, right? And so you got to get your construction paper. Then uh, you always got to have these, right? You got to have your box of Kleenex, right? And so you got to pick up enough for you and for the whole family. You got your Elmer's glue, or if you're like us, you get the cheap uh, brand of glue. There you go. And then you got, you got your, uh, you got your number two pencil, if I can find it in here and, uh, can't find it in there, but you got to always make sure that it's number two pencil, not number one pencil or number three pencil or number four pencil. And you get all these school supplies. But then I started thinking, we're not going to elementary school in this series. What we're doing is we're going to college, right? I mean, it's university. So when you go to university, you got to have some different kind of school supplies. So I thought, what kind of school supplies do we need for university? And so I thought really hard and I thought, first of all, you need some ramen noodles. How many know what I'm talking about? How many when you were in college went to town on the ramen noodles? You know what I'm saying, right? Like every single night. So you got to have that. And then I thought, man, this is vital college uh, school supplies. You got to have a PlayStation remote. You know what I'm saying? So that on those nights when you're supposed to be, when you're supposed to be studying, you can, you can be playing your PlayStation. And then I thought you got to have, you definitely have to have this. This is the key to your college life. You got to have some Red Bull. Come on. On those nights when you're pulling the all-nighter and you're cramming for it, you got to have the Red Bull. And then the most important school supply of all for a college student is you've definitely got to have dad's credit card. You know what I'm saying? And I just start thinking, man, the school supplies, if you're going to go to school and if you're going to learn to be a leader, then you got to have some school supplies. You got to have the tools. You got to have the things that you need in order to be a leader. And that's what we're going to be doing this morning. We're just going to be breaking out the backpack and we're going to be looking at a few school supplies, a few things that we need to be a leader. Now, when I tell you that we're going to talk about leadership, I know what many of you do. Many of you are kind of like this. Well, that sounds like a good subject, pastor. And somebody needs to hear that subject. And that would be a great thing for, you know, like a leadership talk or something like that for the leaders in the church. But I'm not really a leader. Well, you know what? I would tell you today, you're wrong. Everybody say you're wrong. You're wrong. You are a leader. Everybody say, I am a leader. Every one of us in this place today, you are called to be a leader. Every one of us have people that we are leading. We are setting an example for people in our lives, whether whether it's in your home, whether it's in your family, whether it's at school or at work or in the church or in the community. You are a leader 
leader. And that's why we're calling this series Leader You. It's a little bit of a play on words where we're talking about, yeah, we're going to Leadership University, but at the same time, Leader You. You are a leader. And what we're doing in this series is we're studying this guy in the scripture who is one of the greatest leaders of all in the Bible, a guy named Nehemiah. Everybody say Nehemiah. We started studying him a little bit last week and we learned that Nehemiah was just an ordinary guy. He was really just a cup bearer to the king. I mean, he was just, he was just an ordinary guy who was basically what, what was kind of like a butler or kind of like a servant to the king. And this ordinary guy, Nehemiah, he found out that the people of his homeland were in turmoil, that the walls of his city had been broken down and that they, they were, uh, they were in distress and the people were, were embarrassed about the condition of their city and of their and of their town and of the walls and man they were discouraged and they were depressed and they looked at life and it just seemed like nothing is ever going to get better and Nehemiah just this ordinary guy when he heard of the brokenness and the condition of his homeland the bible says that it broke his heart that he that he sat down and that he cried and that he wept and he knelt down and for days and days and days that he prayed for his people and for his homeland. And then he had what we called last week a Popeye moment. How many remember what the Popeye moment was? The Popeye moment was I've had alls I can stands, I can't stands no more. Somebody's got to do something about this and it might as well be me. And this ordinary guy, just a cupbearer, just a butler to the king, God used this ordinary man who didn't see himself as a leader to raise up and to make a difference in his world to rebuild the walls that should have taken years to rebuild and he did it in just 52 days now if you're taking notes this morning and you should be amen come on If you're taking notes this morning, I want you to write this down because this is really the main theme, the main idea of this entire series that we're doing over this next few weeks is this. To make a difference in the world, you don't have to be the best. All you have to do is care the most. Come on, that's, that's good. Somebody should have said amen or something right there. To make a difference in the world, you don't have to be the best. You just have to care the most. You know, I think it'd be safe to say probably that if we did a survey here uh, in this room this morning, many of you would probably say, you know, I don't feel like I'm the best at anything. Many of you, if I, if I were to go around and ask you, many of you would say, you know, I, I really don't feel like I'm a great leader or I, I really don't have a, a position of leadership or I don't really feel like I'm qualified or I'm equipped to really make much of a difference in the world around me. I don't feel like a world-class leader or anything like that. Would that be safe to say? Just ra- raise your hand today. Well, can I just be honest with you this morning? Is it okay if the pastor is just transparent and honest with you this morning? Can I tell you, that's how I've felt most of my life. Most of my life. You know how I've felt? I felt like, you know, I'm not sure I have what it takes. I'm not really sure I have what is necessary to really make a difference in this world. I, I remember seven years ago when we moved here to this community to start this church. And I remember that, that as we moved here, I didn't know what I was doing. 
And I remember days when I'd wake up and man, God had put this thing in our heart to, to start this church and to make an impact on this community. And I remember we didn't have much money and we didn't have any people really to help us. And I remember waking up, getting out of bed in the mornings and going, what am I doing here? I don't know what I'm doing and I don't have what it takes and I'm not really a great leader and I don't know if I can make this thing happen. And can I tell you another little secret here today? Seven years later, after we have started this church, the secret is out today. Here it is. I still don't know what I'm doing. (laughs) It's the truth. There are still days when I wake up and I go, I'm not qualified to lead this church. I don't know where I'm going and I don't know what I'm doing and I don't have the gifts and the talents. And there are days when I wake up and I feel insecure and I feel afraid. And I'll tell you another thing today, the more the church grows, the less I feel like I'm qualified to lead it. The truth is that's what's so awesome about Nehemiah here is that Nehemiah wasn't the best at anything. He was just a cupbearer to the king. But guess what? He had a passion in his heart. And God didn't use Nehemiah because of his position or because of his power or because of his skill or his talent or his ability. God used Nehemiah because he was a man who got a passion in his heart. God used Nehemiah not because he was the best but because he cared the most. And I'm here to tell you this morning, some of you think I'm not a leader and God can't use me and I don't have what it takes. Well, I'm telling you, you don't have to be the best. All you got to do is care the most. All you got to do is get a passion burning in your heart. And God specializes in using ordinary people to do incredible things when we surrender ourselves to him. Somebody say amen this morning. So here's what we're going to do. Over this next few minutes, we're just going to break this down. We're going to start looking at Nehemiah chapter 2, and I'm just going to help you. And we're, we're going to look at some very practical, we're going to get practical this morning, and we're just going to talk about being a leader and what do leaders do. And we're going to learn it right here from Nehemiah chapter 2, and we're going to just look and see what he did as he began on this mission, on this quest to be a leader and to make a difference in his world. We're just going to see three things. If you've got uh, your notes right these days, down. You can follow in your U version as well or on the screen here this morning. The first one is this. A leader, here's what a leader does. A leader defines the mission clearly. A leader defines the mission clear, clearly. Here, here's Nehemiah. His heart is broken as he hears the news of the brokenness in his world. And he sits down and he cries and he kneels down and he prays. And then he's called into this meeting, this very important meeting with the king. And as he goes into this meeting with the king, I I just want you to notice what, what happens and what he says in verse number four. It says, I prayed to the God of heaven. Now, first of all, let me tell you something here this morning. If the vision and the mission that God has placed in your life is not big enough that you have to pray about it, can I tell you it's not big enough? Amen. If you can accomplish it on your own, you need to get back down on your knees and back down, sitting down, crying until God gives you a vision that's bigger. Amen. Come on. That's good. He said, I prayed to the God of heaven and I, and I answered the king. 
If it pleases the king and if your servant has found favor in his sight, let him send me to the city of Judah where my fathers are buried so that I can rebuild the wall. Somebody say rebuild the wall. I want, I want you to notice the incredible clarity in this statement. The king says, what do you want me to do? What, what is it that you are going to do? And there are a million different things that Nehemiah could have said. He could have said, I'm, I want to go back to my homeland and I want, to, I want to help them have a better economy. Or I want to run for governor and, and I want to clean up all the political stuff in, in Jerusalem. Or I want to help them build better roads. Or I want, to, you know, I want the University of Jerusalem to have a better football team. Or he could have said all kinds of different things. But he said one thing. What was the one thing he said? One thing that was incredibly clear and and specific. He said, I want to rebuild the walls. And here's the key, guys, to leadership. You don't don't have to know all the skills to be a leader. We We already discussed that. But here's the deal. To be a leader, here's what you need. You need to have a clear mission. You need to know, what is it that God has called me to do? So let me just ask you that here this morning. What is it? That God has called you to do. Because here's the deal. God has called every single one of us to do something. He has called us to be leaders. He has called us to make a difference in this world. So what is it that God has called you to do? Maybe last week, maybe as I talked about this and I talked about the burden that Nehemiah got for the brokenness in his city and the walls that were broken down. Maybe as I talked about it last week, maybe God began to put a burden in your heart and God began to put this thing inside of you that you haven't been able to shake and you begin to think about what it is that God has called me to do it. And just, just for instance, maybe, maybe last week, maybe God put it in somebody's heart that you said, you know, man, I, I, I see people around me that, that have children that are special needs children. And and I would really like to help special needs children. How many would say that would be a good thing to do, right? But I would say to you, okay, that's good. But but what does that mean? What, What are you talking about when you're talking about special needs children? Let's get a little more specific. Well, maybe you would say, well, you know what? I know I have some friends that have a child that's autistic. And, and so God has put it on my heart to help children that have autism. Well, now we're getting a little bit more specific, aren't we? But then I would still say, well, what does that mean to help a child that has autism? And you might think about it. You might think, well, I really want to help them to be able to function in society and in the world around them. You see how we're getting a little bit more specific here as we're, as we're defining clearly what the mission is. And I would say, okay, that's good. You want to help children with autism to, to, be, uh, to be able to function in society. But, but which children with autism? The ones in China? The ones in the ones in Africa, ones in South America. No, no, no. I want to help the children in my community with autism. Can you see how we're narrowing the focus down till all of a sudden now we have a mission statement? I want to help children with autism in my community to become fully functioning citizens of society. Now that's something that is clear and precise and everybody can understand exactly what you're talking about and what you mean when you say it, right? 
And that's what leaders do. Leaders don't just say, I want to change the world or I want to make a difference. Leaders define the mission clearly. And some of you here today, God's going to call you to lead. He's going to call you to make a difference. And, and, and he's going to begin to help you to define exactly what it is that he has called you to do. Maybe some of you are here today and maybe you're, you're going to look at your family and you're going to say, man, my family, we're in debt. And we've got all this money problem and all these financial problems. And I'm tired of fighting about it and I'm tired of worrying about it and I'm tired of thinking about it and I'm going to step up and I'm going to lead and I'm going to define it clearly that here's going to be our mission and our goal that we're going to get our family out of debt by Christmas of 2014. How many would say that's a mission statement that everybody can understand? Maybe some of you teenagers are here today and maybe maybe in Edge you've gotten this real fired up about I'm going to go and I'm going to win my school to Jesus. And you're like, I'm going to win my school to Jesus or whatever. I would challenge you to get down and be a little bit more specific about it. Maybe some of you are on a, on a volleyball team or on a basketball team and maybe you would say, hey, by the end of this year, I want to invite every single person on my basketball team or my volleyball team to come to church with me. How many would say, that's a vision statement that everybody can understand what what that is, it's clear even a 12-year-old can understand that. Maybe some of you here would look around in this room and you would see new families and new faces and new people that are new to the church and you would say, I, I want to help them to get connected to the church. I want to help them to find a place where they can get connected and they can feel loved and they can be a part of a family. And maybe you would leave today with a clear mission statement that this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to host one of these life groups. Before I leave today, I'm going to pick up one of these life group packets and I'm going to start looking around for people who are new or people that I don't know or people that are not connected and I'm going to help them to get plugged in. I'm going to invite them to my life group so that I can love them and so that I can pray with them and help to disciple them and help them to grow. You see, that's what leaders do. Leaders define the mission clearly. You see, here's, here's the deal today. If you can't define it, you can't do it. If you can't define it within just a, a few sentences, if you can't say, what it is God's called you to do, then guess what? You're not going to be able to do it. And a lot of times, here's what we do. We, we just define in these big, broad terms. Well, I'm going to make a difference in my world, or I'm going to be a leader in my family, or I'm going to win people to Christ. But here's what leaders do. Leaders get down to to business. That's what Nehemiah did. He said, I know exactly what I could do. There's all kinds of things that I could do. There's all kinds of good things that I could accomplish, but I know exactly what God has called me to do. He has called me to rebuild the walls. Some of you are here today and you say, you know, I feel like God has called me to be a leader in my family. Just, just a couple of months ago, we did the Warrior Series, and so many men stood up across the front of this building, and they took the resolution, and they said, I'm going to lead my family. And that's, that's a great thing, but you know what? If you don't know where your family's going, and if you can't define where it is that God wants you to take your family and lead your family, then guess what? You can't go there. You can say all day long, I'm going to lead my family, but if you can't clearly define what it is God has called you to do, then you're just talking. That's why in this next life group series that we're starting here in just a couple of weeks, we're going to be, we're going to be helping you in this series called Bless Your Home. What we're going to have you doing in your life groups is learning how to put together a clear definition or a mission statement for your family where you say, this is what our family is all about and this is what we are going to do and where we're going to go so that you can define what that looks like. That's what leaders do.
Some of you may say, well, you know what? I don't have a family or I'm not married or I don't have kids or whatever. We're also going to be having a life group called Kazone. Everybody say Kazone. Not calzone, kazone. Kazone is the Hebrew word for vision. And in this life group, what we're going to be learning is if you're, if you're not married or if you don't have a family, we're going to be teaching you how to have a personal mission statement for your life. When I was about 20 years old, I sat down and I began to write out what would my personal mission statement for my life be? Where am I headed and who am I going to be and what am I going to do? And I, I, wrote, that, I wrote that out when I was about 20 or 21 years old, that the mission of my life would be to have intimacy with God, to be a man of integrity with, with men and with people around me, that I would increase in knowledge, in wisdom, and that I would impact generations for Christ. And that has been my mission statement since I was about 20 years old. And ever since then, everything that I do in life is funneled through this vision. That's what leaders do. Leaders define the mission clearly. What is it that God has called you to do? Can you put it in a statement that you can write down in a sentence or two sentences that you can say, this is who I am and this is what God has called me to do. So number one, leaders define the mission clearly. Number two, write this down. A leader makes plans carefully. So Nehemiah, he's got the what. We're gonna rebuild the walls. Now he's gotta figure out how. How are we gonna do it? And look what happens in verse number six. It pleased the king to send me, so I set a time. I also said to him, if it pleases the king, may I have letters to the governor of the trans-Euphrates so that they will provide me safe conduct until I arrive in Judah. And may I have a letter from Asaph, the keeper of the royal park, so that he will give me timber to make beams at the gates of the citadel by the temple and for the city wall and for the residence I will occupy. And because the gracious hand of my God was upon me, upon me, the king granted me my request. So I went to the governors of the trans-Euphrates and gave them the king's letter. And the king had also sent army officials and cavalry to go with me. Now check this out. First of all, Nehemiah's got a plan. He's got a time frame. This is not just what I'm going to do. I'm going to rebuild the walls, but this is even how long I think it's going to take. And then when he goes into the meeting with the king, he goes in prepared. He's already done all of his homework. I mean, he asked for a couple of things. He wants some letters from the governor so that he can so that he can have safe travel. And he wants a letter from Asaph, the keeper of the king's forest, so that he will get him the, the timber and the wood that he needs. Just the very fact that he knew this guy's name was Asaph meant that he had already done his homework. I mean, it wasn't like he could just get on his phone and Google who's the king of the or who's the keeper of the king's forest, right? He had to do some homework. He had to figure all this stuff out. And when he went in, he went into the meeting with a plan. He had prepared not just what am I going to do, but how am I going to do it? Now, here's, a, here's where we fall into a lot of problems a lot in, in the church world is that we think that planning is not very spiritual. You know? I mean, if you grew up in church, kind of like I grew up, here's how, here's how we did things. We said, well, bless God, we're just going to pray and we're going to obey. <laughs> Come on, anybody grow up in a church like that? We're just going to follow the leading of the Holy Spirit where the Holy Spirit leads us, where God guides, he'll provide, and we'll just go where he says to go. 
We don't need no plans. We just show up and just God will take over. Can I tell I, I love my heritage, but can I tell you, that's the dumbest thing I've ever heard in my life. Guess what? Throughout the scripture, over and over and over, the scripture teaches us to plan, to prepare, to be diligent. I mean, check this out. Proverbs 21 and verse 5 says, Good planning and hard work will lead to prosperity, but hasty shortcuts lead to poverty. We've all heard it before. If you fail to plan, what do you do? You plan to fail. And the truth is that sometimes the planning part of it is just as spiritual as the rest of it. In fact, sometimes it can be even more spiritual. Some people ask me, Pastor, how do you do what you do when you get up there to, to preach? It's like it just it's like it just comes out and you hardly even use very many notes. And I mean you just get up there and you just talk and it's just so it just flows so naturally and so easily. And how do you do that? Can I tell you how I do that? I work my tail off. Every single week, studying and preparing and going over it, over and over and over in my mind. And it's not just memorizing, it's praying. I walk around in my office and I pray and I ask the Lord to help me and I I study and I memorize and I prepare. And it's like it's just so much inside of me that it just comes bubbling out on a Sunday. And it's, it's, it's not because I just, oh, I'm going to just pray and obey. And when I get up there, I'll just open my mouth and the Holy Spirit will just speak through me. That would sound a little like Elvis, didn't it? I don't know. I didn't prepare that part. Here's the deal. God works as much in the preparation as he does in the, in the presentation. And some of you, here's the deal. Some of you, God has began to put a burden in your heart, something that he has called you to do or something that he has called you to lead, a difference that he has called you to make. And here's the deal. You've got a plan. You got to prepare. You don't just jump out there and start doing it. No, Nehemiah, he went and he did his homework and he got himself prepared. And can I just give you a little secret here today? Something that has helped me that will change your life here today. Are you ready for this? You don't write down on your to-do list. You don't write down big giant goals. You don't go in the morning, write down, change the world. You don't go in, you don't go win my friends to Jesus or feed the hungry. Because here's what happens. When you do that, you write that big goal down, then you sit down and you go, oh my goodness, that's huge. How am I ever going to do that? And you get paralyzed by the size of the goal. No, here's what you do. If you have a vision, maybe maybe some of you said, hey, I got a vision to help autistic kids in my community to become fully functioning, fully functioning in society. And that's your vision. Okay, that's a vision. It's very clear, but it's still really big, right? So here's what you do. Instead of writing that down, here's what you do. You write down, what's the next thing that I can do to help autistic children in my community? And then you do that. And the next thing might just be, might just be okay, well, I'm going to get online and I'm going to research a little bit. I'm going to find out who are some other people in our community that are doing what it is that I feel like God has called me to do. And that's the next step. 
And then after you've done that, you go, okay, what's the next thing that I could do? Well, now that I know some other people that are doing what it is that I feel like God has called me to do, well, then maybe I'll, maybe I'll give them a phone call and ask if I could set up an appointment with them and talk to them about it. That's the next thing. What's the next thing after that? Well, I'll set up a meeting and then I'll prepare for the meeting. I don't just show up to the meeting. Maybe I, maybe I need to write down a few questions and some things that I want to ask them about how they're doing, what it is that I feel like God has called me to do. Then you go to the meeting. Then you interview the person. Then you write down the things. You see what I'm saying? It's just next step. What is the next step? Some of you say, man, I really feel like I'm supposed to leave a legacy in my family, that I'm supposed to pass down a godly heritage to people, that are that, to my children and to their grandchildren. If you write that down on your to-do list, you're going to be like, I don't even know where to start. Instead, here's what you do. Here's the vision, leave a legacy in my children and in the next generation. But what's the next thing that I do? Maybe the next thing might be that I get in one of these life groups and I actually write down a vision statement for our family. Maybe the next thing is just as simple as, hey, we're going to set aside one night a week where we're going to have family devotions. We're going to take those those little things that they send to home with your kids and we're going to work through those or we're going to... We're going to pray with our kid every night before they go to bed or I'm going to make it, make it a priority to get my kids to church every single Sunday. It's just, what's the next thing to do? And then do that. You see, here's the deal. You don't change the world in one big giant thing. You do it one small faithful step at a time. Some of you are like, man, my vision, some of you single guys, my vision is to get married. Well, what's the next thing that you need to do? Maybe take a shower, (laughs) put on some deodorants, sell the Xbox and move out of the mom's basement, get a job. Ask a girl out. Come on. You see what I'm saying? Don't just put down, I'm going to do this. No. What's the next thing that God has called me to do and then do it? That's what Nehemiah did. As you study, Nehemiah just did the next thing. He didn't say, we're going to do this big thing, and he didn't know how to do it. He just did the next thing, and then 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 sooner or later, 52 days later, they had rebuilt the walls. Come on. I'm helping you this morning. This is good stuff. Leaders define the mission clearly. Leaders make plans carefully. Number three, leaders inspire people passionately. Somebody say passion. See, here's what a leader knows that sets them apart. A leader knows that you can make a difference by yourself, but if you want to change the world, you need to inspire other people to help you. You can make a difference all by yourself, but if you want to change the world, you better get some other people to help you, and if you're going to do that, you're going to have to inspire them. That's what Nehemiah did, verse 17. He gathers this group of people around him, and look what he says to him. You see the troubles that we are in. Jerusalem lies in ruins, and its gates have been burned with fire. Come, let us rebuild the wall of Jerusalem that we will no longer be in disgrace. I also told them about the gracious hand of my God on me and what the king said to me, and they replied, let us start rebuilding. So they began the good work. What does Nehemiah do? He doesn't just show up and get you know a chisel and a hammer and whatever it is that you need 
to build, to build a wall and start building it himself. No, he realizes that if I want to accomplish this, I can't do it by myself. I got to get other people around me to help me. And in order to do that, I'm going to have to inspire them. So he gathers the people around. And remember, these are the people that had seen this wall being bent down for 140 years. It looks like something that is impossible to ever happen. But Nehemiah gathers them around and he says, look at the walls. Look at the problems around us. Somebody's got to do something. It might as well be us. And then he says, and I'm telling you, it looks impossible, but God is with us. His favor has already been upon us. He even gave us the favor of the king who will join with me. And notice what happened. They all said, we'll do it. And they began the good work. Now, you know, I don't know exactly what it was that Nehemiah said, but there must have been a fire in his eyes. He was so passionate about what he was saying that it caused these people who had seen these walls to be broken down for 140 years and it looked impossible to say, maybe it's not impossible and maybe this guy really does care about us, either that or he's nuts because he came a thousand miles to tell us this stuff. And there was a passion. That's what leaders do. They inspire people with passion. You may say, well, I'm, I'm just not, I'm not a motivational type person. I don't have a real inspiring type personality or whatever. Well, neither, neither did Nehemiah. He was just a king or just a cupbearer to the king. He wasn't anybody special, but he let something burn inside of him. And can I tell you that if you'll get a passion for what God has called you to do, and if it will burn inside of you, people will come around and they will want to help you with it because they will see the passion. It will be inspiring to everyone around us. I like what one guy said. He said, set yourself on fire and the whole world will come to watch you burn. You know, some people say sometimes, Pastor, why are you so passionate? Why do you get so loud? And so why can't you just tone it down a little bit? I mean, why do you got to yell and get all, well, can I tell you, I can't you help it? There's a passion inside of me. I may not be the best, but at least I can be the loudest. <laughs> I may not be the best, but at least I got something that burns inside of me. I remember when I was, when I was just a young preacher, I remember I read, read in Jeremiah, not the bullfrog, the other Jeremiah. And Jeremiah talked about this. He said, God's word is in my heart like a fire. I'm weary and I can't hold it back. It's like a fire shut up in my bones. And I remember just as a young preacher, I remember I read that and I said, God, let your word be in my heart like it was in the heart of Jeremiah. Let there be a passion inside of me to accomplish the purpose and the vision that you placed me on this earth to accomplish. And I remember I'd pray, I'd pace back and forth in my office and I'd say, God, just let the word of God be in me so much that it just comes bursting out that people just, I mean, it's just passion that people would hear it and say, I want to be a part of that. I want to help. I want to join in on the cause of making a difference in my world. That's what leaders do. Leaders inspire people passionately. That's what Nehemiah did. He said, I don't know how we're going to do it. I got a plan and I got a mission and I believe God has called us and there was a passion that flowed through him and people said, we want to be a part of that. You know, man, I'm just, I'm just a, I'm just a guy. 
I was just a 29-year-old kid. Moved to a city I didn't know anything about. There was a passion in my heart. I'm now just a 37-year-old man. I still don't know what I'm doing. There's a passion in my heart to make a difference in this community. I didn't know what I was doing, but I, I do know this is what I did. I defined the, defined the mission clearly. If you know it this morning, what the mission is, LifeGate, you ought to know it, changing lives in a changing culture with the unchanging truth. And from the very beginning, we said, this is what we're going to be about. We're going to be about changing lives. We're going to be about people coming to Jesus Christ. We're going to be about people coming to a relationship with God and making a change. No matter how the culture changes around us, we're going to let the word of God stay the same and change people's lives. And we define the mission from the very beginning. We made it clear. Then we started planning out carefully how we're going to do it. We said, man, we're going to create a place that's inspiring where people can come and the music is uplifting and the message is inspiring and it's warm and people, people love each other and they feel the love of God and the love from other people and that's how we're going to do it. And then, I, I, can I tell you, you don't know how you're going to do it all at the beginning. You just take the next step and as we got into it, we started realizing, man, God is sending us young families and he's sending us kids and we got to do something to raise up this next generation and so the out of that birth the vision of we're gonna we're gonna partner with parents and with families and with grandparents to raise up the next generation to pass this stuff down to to those that are coming behind us in that generation and the vision was clear and the and the planning was careful and then we just said we're just gonna step up and we're gonna be passionate about what God has called us to do and God has used us in great ways in this last seven years and he's gonna use us in even greater ways in the next seven years and just how God used us God can use you Nehemiah stood up and he said, guys, you can stay here just like it's been for the last 140 years and you can live like everybody else and your lives can be in ruins or you can step up and you can make a difference. You can join with me to make a difference. And just like Nehemiah said, that I, I can say that to you today. You can, you can live like everybody else if you want. You can go through life living for material things and how much can we get and can we get a nicer car and a, be, and a bigger house and wear nicer clothes and go on better vacations and at the end of your life you can look back and have regret and say I wish I would have done something that mattered more for the kingdom of God and for eternity or you can decide today I'm going to be a leader I'm going to define the mission clearly. I'm going to plan out carefully and I'm going to get a passion in my heart and I'm going to step up and I'm going to have my pie pie moment and I'm going to say, that's all I can stand. I can't stand no more. Somebody's got to do something and it might as well be me and I can make a difference by myself. But if I'm going to change the world, I got to be a leader and get other people around me and you can work your tail off and you can do something with your life. And at the end of your life, you can stand before God and you can hear him say those words, well done, good and and faithful servants.